Mood with Kim G.C. Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Moody. I'm a Canadian tax expert who has over 30 years of experience at a specialist level dealing with Canada-U.S. tax matters for the private client. For those of you who know me, I love the study of leadership. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how tax and economic policy impacts Canadian entrepreneurs, executives, and average Canadians. This podcast will discuss topics relating to taxation, taxation policy, leadership, economics, and the odd political comment as it relates to the previous topics, all in a lighthearted and playful style. Strap in and come along for the ride. Well, good day. Welcome to the In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. My name is Kim Moody, and welcome to my inaugural podcast episode. And today I thought we'd talk about one of my favorite topics, which is um, high personal tax rates. I've written on this, con- on this topic and commented on it a fair amount. As a matter of fact, I am a weekly tax columnist for the Financial Post, and one of my first articles that I wrote when I started doing uh, the weekly columns uh, back in September of 2023 was about how Canada's high personal tax rates need to come down. And I got a fair amount of feedback on that. Most of it was positive. Some of it, of course, inevitably you get the tax the rich crowd that want personal tax rates to be higher. And they always point back to people uh, that have significant knowledge on taxation history and and point out that Canada's tax rates at one point were over 90%, which is true. We did have 90% tax rates, but I can almost guarantee that nobody was paying those uh, personal tax rates. And that's a topic for another day. What, what I really want to talk about today is why these rates need to come down and how we compare to our American neighbor, you know, the big gorilla in the room, which is the United States, um, how does Canada's personal tax rates compare? And as I record this on January the 2nd, 2023, I just finalized another submission to the Financial Post, which will be published this week, on how we actually do compare uh, as a country to the United States. And suffice it to say that it's not pretty. Our personal tax rates in some cases can be almost 20% higher than in some low-tax states like Florida and Texas and Washington State, which is just not good. It it doesn't make us competitive uh, at all. But let me take a step back before I I go down that that avenue. And let's talk about what our rates have been and some comments about rates in in the past. And as I mentioned, you know, back in 19... You know, the late 1930s and 1940s, um, and it it extended a little bit beyond that, but some of our top-end personal tax rates in Canada were over 90%. It's actually interesting to go back and take a look at it and look at the reasons why. Um, You know, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly the reasons why the personal tax rates were higher than 90% in some cases. My speculation is that you know, there was effectively a ceiling that the government and, uh, wanted um, to create for high income earners. In other words, if, if you made so much money, well, you know, that's probably too high. 
and therefore we're just going to tax it all away. That kind of feeling today is almost non-existent. I mean, if you want to make a ton of money, uh, both in the United States and Canada and elsewhere around the world, then, then have at her. Um, so there's not that artificial ceiling to a maximum amount of income. I can tell you, though, that some on the very left wing of the political spectrum believe that, that it should be brought back. I am not one of them, obviously. I consider myself fiscally, fiscally right of center and a social moderate uh, for those who are interested. But, you know, back in 1966, the Royal Commission on Taxation released its report. And for those of you who know me know that I've commented on the Royal Commission many, many times because it's the first and only time that Canada had a commission, a Royal Commission on Taxation, which was a comprehensive review and recommendations for reform. It was commissioned in 1962 by then Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, one of my favorite uh, Prime Ministers for a variety of reasons, not the least of which his hometown uh, of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan is where I was born. So of course there's that connection there, but I do think he was a phenomenal Prime Minister uh, for Canada. But he commissioned uh, the Royal Commission on Taxation in 1962, and the commission took four years to study and release its recommendations. And by then, John Diefenbaker had got turfed out of office and it was Prime Minister uh, Pearson who was now the, uh, in power. And the six volume uh, set of or reports and recommendations were very, very voluminous and very, very thorough. And I can tell you, for any taxation student, uh, in my view, it's mandatory reading. Uh, in order to have a good understanding of Canada's tax system, you need to review the six-volume recommendations from 1966. It's surprising uh, how well a lot of those recommendations have held up. There's some obvious um, you know, updates that need to be done, and that's one of the reasons why you know, myself and a bunch of other Canadian tax practitioners have recommended that we need to see another Royal Commission on Taxation, and it's, you know, it's been 60, uh, almost 60 years, uh, well, 61 years since the Royal Commission was, was uh, commenced, and so I think it's high time to have another review, uh, given that all the changes that have happened in society and continue to, to happen. But that issue aside, there is a particular part of the report that always stuck with me, and I've written and talked about this a lot, and it talks about personal tax rates. And basically, in a nutshell, and I'm not going to exactly parrot this correctly, but it says that in their view, in the, in the Commission's review, personal tax rates should not exceed 50%. They believe that there's a psychological barrier that exists whenever personal tax rates exceed 50%, which diminishes production and diminishes um, you know, the willingness to work. And if you reflect on that and the psychology of that, uh, I think the commission was bang on. Uh, today, you know, fast forward to 2024, you've got some provinces in Canada, like British Columbia, uh, you've got Ontario and Quebec, and most of the Atlantic provinces who have personal tax rates that are in the 54% range at the top end. 
In my view, that is just horrible. 54% uh, is the marginal tax rate if you earn a dollar um, and to the extent that your income is over um, roughly $240,000, roughly. I think that's horrible, both from a psychological perspective and from a bunch of economic perspectives that I'll talk about uh, shortly. And so I think when you reflect on the Commission's recommendation, I think, again, they were bang on, but unfortunately Canada has not been following that recommendation when they've been setting their personal tax brackets. In 2015, when the Liberal government uh, got elected, uh, one of the first things they did was they announced in November of 2015 that they were going to increase the personal tax rates by um, another 4% on the top end. And, th and they're going to do that by creating a new top-end tax bracket. And so that immediately you know, caused a lot of high-income earners to scramble because it wasn't going to be in effect until January 1st of 2016. And so there was a lot of behaviors, behavioral implications, you know, accelerated income, et cetera, to the end of 2015. In my home province of, 2000, uh, sorry, of Alberta, uh, there was also an announcement because of the new NDP government, very surprising that the NDP came to power in Alberta, but they did, and they announced uh, that they were going to increase the personal tax brackets uh, by another 5%, but they staged it in 2015 and then finalized the final increases in 2016. So when you combine the 4% federal increase and then the 5% increase, that was a 9% increase in Alberta in the span of roughly a year. So significant increase and significant behavioral changes that happened in Alberta during that time frame. What I find interesting is when you look back on the statistics, um, you know, when the federal government in 2015 announced that they're going to increase uh, and introduce a new top end tax bracket, they had speculated and estimated uh, that they would collect another $3.2 billion. Well, it turns out they didn't, and they were way, way, way off. Um, and, and so <laughs> that just goes to show you that, you know, personal tax rates do cause behavioral changes. And in Alberta, of course, uh, with the 9% increase in 2015 and 16 combined, uh, major changes and there continues to be major changes uh, throughout as well. Just as a quick aside, uh, today in 2024 we, we now have a conservative government back in, in provincial power in Alberta and in the 2023 election, you know, the, the, uh, when, when they were you know, electioneering, the uh, Conservative Party announced, which is called the United Conservative Party, UCP, they announced that as part of their election policy platform that they were going to reduce personal tax rates in the middle income level, but they haven't done that and, uh, to this date. And they are under some pressure by the media and others, including myself, to, to actually carry through on that promise, especially given the high economic performance and budgets, uh, budget surpluses that have uh, existed uh, so we'll see what happens, but fingers crossed that we'll see some uh, rates come down. So what, why do I get concerned about personal tax rates being high? Well, besides the obvious, 
that of course high tax rates mean less means less in your personal pocket it overall has a very negative effect on GDP country GDP and productivity and there's lots and lots of economic studies on that so I won't spend much time but I think a lot of it's obvious when you have high personal tax rates the incentive to work is less people will not work as hard and and therefore your productivity and GDP go down that's the simplistic uh, analysis and it actually is a lot more complicated than that but that's uh, I think a quick summary what else does it do well let's turn back to the topic of the United States which was the topic of my financial post article uh, and what it does is it if your personal tax rates are, are, are high compared to a very important competitive neighbor like the United States it makes the hunt for talent and investment capital for business startups or business expansion it makes it very difficult you know one of the most uh, compelling examples that I can illustrate and it's simple because a lot of people love sports um, but you know of course you're always going to get people that say wow that, that example doesn't really apply it, it actually does apply so let's think about you know signing free agents in the NHL let's say you've got the Calgary Flames my, my home hockey team that wants to sign a free agent and let's say they're competing uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning which is based in Tampa Florida Tampa Bay Florida well Florida has no state tax and so the highest tax rate in the United States federally is roughly 37 percent and so to the extent that you're dealing with a, a Tampa Bay player that does have their residency in Florida which is, is not always the case but let's just say that it is the case and they're non-residents of Canada well the most they're going to pay is 37 percent on their income now take that same example to and let's say the Calgary Flames signed that same player and let's say that they became a resident of Canada a resident of, of Alberta which may not always be the case but let's just say they they do well right off the bat they're going to pay 48 percent on most of their income because you'll hit the top end tax bracket at roughly 240,000 of income in Canada. Now, yes, there's provincial differences like in my home province of Alberta, you it's a it's a ratchet up to roughly over 300,000. You don't hit that top end provincial tax bracket until a little over 300,000. But just for sake of simplicity and illustration, let's just call it 240,000. Whereas in the United States, you don't hit the top end tax bracket until roughly $500,000 of income for most states and I'm saying rough because it's different uh, for every state and there's indexation involved as well so take that professional hockey player and now combine foreign currency as well because these players get played or sorry paid in US dollars and it doesn't take very long given the fact that the Canadian dollar is weak compared to the United States dollar to hit the high-end tax bracket uh, and and so when you're that player looking to sign either with the Calgary Flames or with the Tampa Bay Lightning for example you're going to take that into consideration take the same consideration now for if the Toronto Maple Leafs which are in Ontario and they're one of those high tax provinces of 54 percent roughly 
and the starkness becomes even greater. And so it's, and it's a lot more complicated than I'm, than I'm saying in, uh, f- you know, in terms of the fight for talent because maybe those hockey players don't need to become resident of Canada. Maybe they can continue to be just resident of the United States, et cetera. But, but it still is a decent enough example because if you're dealing with Florida at 37% versus Ontario at 54 uh, which is a 17% difference on their, on their salary, um, or a tax bill on their salary, said more correctly, that is significant. Or in Alberta at 48 versus 37, I mean, you're, you're talking 11%. That's very, very significant as well. Yes, for listeners of this podcast, you know, a lot of them, a lot of listeners may not have a lot of sympathy for high-earning professional athletes or other high-income-earning people. Uh, but a lot of those uh, high-income earning people pay a lot of tax, and they help Canadian infrastructure, uh, and, and ultimately, you know, they contribute to the tax revenue. So you should think about high-income earners and the contributions they make because they do contribute a significant percentage of the overall tax revenues collected by the federal government and provincial governments. So. More broadly, though, you know, Canada is in a competition for skilled talent. You know, computer engineers, engineers overall, skilled tradespeople um, that are in high demand. And, um, you know, executives, you know, CEOs in the C-suites, which a lot of them we could source from the United States uh, for talent. But, but it's, it's something that... Uh, that is very difficult for Canada to compete on for that skilled talent when the tax rates are so high. Now take that to a broader business level. And let's say Canada wants to, or some Canadian entrepreneur wants to start up a business in Canada, but they're flexible enough where they could go to the United States. Well, tax rates matter especially personal tax rates, because a lot of the people will likely be employed in Canada. And if they require skilled labor, where are they going to attract that from? If they could attract them from the United States, then it will be very difficult to compete on a tax basis. And we see this all the time, especially with technology startups or any startups for that matter, where the talent pool is thin, and it's competitive, and so it's something to uh, very much consider uh, when you're uh, setting up business and looking for talent. And so those are some real challenges that Canada has on an ongoing basis is, you know, it's high tax rates not providing good competitive field, a good competitive field to attract new investment and skilled labor. But what are some of the other consequences? And I think we'll end the podcast on this today. Is well, and this is something that I've I've talked a lot about, and even in the Financial Post article that I released earlier this week, uh, it's it's in there. But what it does is it causes people who are kind of on the edge or um, or have thought about it for a while, they think about maybe leaving Canada. You know they. 
maybe don't like Canada's cold winters and, and in the perfect world they would leave Canada, but you know, the things are pretty good in Canada, so yeah, they'll just stay here. But then when personal tax rates or tax rates overall go up and the threat of more uh, tax increases comes, like for example, there's always the continued threat of, of a wealth tax or the con uh, continued threat of the increase in the capital gains inclusion rate. Um, which today is 50%, but you know, it's been threatened to be increased for a while to, to a higher rate. And you know, we have the introduction of the amendments to the alternative minimum tax, which are just horrible, and I'll speak on that in a podcast in a future date. Uh, but I've written about it in my Financial Post articles and on my uh, personal website, uh, so have a, have a peek at there if you want to uh, understand more. So the, the, the high rates and the threats of more you know, it causes people to really take a step back and wonder if they should leave Canada. And in some cases, it's rather emphatic. You know, I've got a number of uh, clients that are saying, you know what, that's it, I'm out. Kim, help me to get out. And others, it's like, hmm, help me understand what it would look like if I did leave Canada. And I could say that the latter group is bigger than the former group, uh, but as I've lectured and written on this quite a bit, I've told people this true story. I've been in practice for about 30 years, roughly. In my first 25 years of practice, I probably did and advised on maybe a dozen cases where people were leaving Canada. You know, they wanted to leave Canada and they needed my help. Because when you leave Canada, there's a bunch of tax implications. We call it the departure tax uh, issues you are deemed to have disposed of your property, all of your property, at fair market value at the date of becoming a non-resident of Canada. Now, there's a bunch of exceptions to that overall general rule. And the main exceptions are for Canadian real estate that are held personally and your registered plans like RSPs and TFSAs and RIFs. And, um, and those are the, the two biggest exceptions, but there's others. And so when you, when you consider that there is a cost to leave in many cases, you know, is that cost worth the price? Uh, because maybe it's not. But in most cases that we advise on, it is. And why is it worth it? Well, because the earnings that you will earn on your assets after you leave Canada or on your income sources, whatever they are, most of the times and most of the cases will be less. Um, not always, but to finish my story, I worked on maybe a dozen files. In the last five years, the numbers of files that, that our firm and myself have worked on is certainly over 300 files, probably closer to double that. I don't have an exact number. But the wealth that is associated with that number is huge. And when you have wealthy, successful people leaving Canada, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of, of people to replace the foregone tax revenues. And so this is a train that's been moving along the tracks for roughly the last five years or so, and it continues today as I, uh, as I record this podcast. And it's something that really does concern me uh, because Canada just cannot afford to lose too many successful people um, without having dire consequences.
So, you know, whenever I do lecture on this topic, I inevitably get some comments back from people either in writing or just, you know, talk to me face to face. Uh, uh, and they say, you know what, Kim, you're exaggerating. There's, there's not that many people leaving. And you know what, for those that want to leave, just let them leave. <laughs> well, here's my rebuttals. Number one, I'm not exaggerating. And I challenge anybody who thinks I am to contact me and I'll show them the files. Um, obviously, um, <laughs> have to respect confidentiality for, uh, and I, I will certainly do that. Uh, but for those who think I'm exaggerating, I simply am not. And secondly, um, you know, in rebuttal to, you know, the comment, just let them leave. Well, no. Uh, why? I mean, we, we should all be proud Canadians and be proud of our home and proud of the country that we're building. Why would we want to, you know, why would we want these people to leave? And you know, we, we want successful people to be in Canada. And so, you know, what I think Canada needs to do is to take a good hard look at its rates and especially uh, compare them to the United States as I wrote about and spoke about today and, and become more competitive. Yes, we're a small country and yes, we have a broad geography with a small population compared to the United States, but there's a lot that we can do to bring down our rates and it starts in my view with some good cost cutting and bringing down the size of our public sector and, uh, and doing a bunch of other things that get our country spending in order and allow the economic conditions in Canada to be fertile, to allow entrepreneurs and successful people to succeed. It's pretty simple. You know, it's like when you're a gardener, um, you wanna make sure that the garden is fertilized and make sure that ultimately when you plant the seeds that they have enough water so that they can, so that the plants can, can grow and prosper. And you gotta make sure that ultimately you keep the garden free from uh, you know, vermin and insects and, and, and it's the same thing with an economic garden. You wanna make sure that the plants and the conditions are set so that people who want to take risks and be successful can be. And I think it's as simple as that. So what can you do? What can we do about this? Well, I think the first thing is to become aware. So I thank you for listening and, and you know, downloading this podcast. And, and, and that's a big first step is to be aware. And the second is to speak up. Your voice does matter. Um, you know, I'm one small voice and I do have you know, I do speak up regularly and I have no problem with that. And if people want to criticize me for speaking up, so be it. I've got some pretty thick skin. And I hope you do too, because it's important to speak up and be aware of how dangerous and how damaging high personal tax rates are. So there's, there's my little rant for the day. And I hope you uh, enjoyed it and I hope you got something out of it. I would really appreciate some feedback. So with that, thanks very much, and I look forward to uh, the next time. Bye now. So there you have it. Another episode of In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm always open to feedback. Please reach out to me at 
my personal website at kimgcmoody.com. Feel free to sign up to my mailing list for my one-to-one-to-one newsletter where I comment on one comment on taxation, one comment on leadership, and one comment on economic or public policy matters. And feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn account as well. Until next time, take care. Bye now.